friends! Welcome to episode 251 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I'm okay. Yeah? Yeah. <sighs> it's been a long week. It has been. But but not necessarily bad. Lot Lots going on, so. I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm only half exhausted, honestly. Hmm. And the weather today, I, like, I know we, we talk about the weather being crazy here in Detroit, but, like, mm-hmm. my goodness, it was 73 degrees. Like, it was a, a early summer day on February 28th yesterday. Fe- sorry, February 27th yesterday. Yes. And then there was a massive thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. The kind, like, we see With in hail. late August. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, today is 25 degrees. Below yeah. freezing, we are getting flurries. Yeah, yeah. Some of the states saw snow. So uh, I I want to apologize for my for my throat and my voice. Uh, I know it's it, it's it's maybe a little uh, little scratchy today, just because a uh, fifty degree shift in the weather in twenty four hours will do that to me. No, well, it's a good thing the show is going to be real short. Not much to discuss. <laughs> not much to discuss. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. This uh, so tonight's show is uh we're talking about how bdsm and uh tabletop role-playing games are uh more similar than you probably think yeah this is a discussion you and i have been having uh behind the scenes for years yeah with with a lot of our shows it comes up on the regular and we've been joking a lot about how oh yeah we should do this show someday ha ha mm-hmm. ha but we were you know obviously afraid that it was a bit of a risky topic we didn't want to alienate any of our listeners but since we have kind of decided to sunset the show in a handful of months mm-hmm. uh we're not really worried about listener retention at this point so uh or not so much listener retention we also don't want to bl- be blocked from services because of their yeah there's, their, there's that their too. prescribed pieces um but to frame things properly, this mm-hmm. is not going to be a show discussing sexual acts. Correct. Yeah. We are not getting into that, nor are we going to try and talk about the variances of D&D and other role-playing games that included supplements for sexual and erotic Oh, acts. yeah, the, the bo- that is, book of erotic yeah. fantasy or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Not, none of that will be discussed. Um yeah, in fact, uh, I, I, I dare say uh, the majority of my own experience with the topic has been, uh, like, no sex was ever involved with it. So um, it's uh, it's worth noting that those two topics are actually divorced from one another. Mm-hmm. One one is not necessary for the other. Um, and that, that kind of leads into the second part of this, which is uh, actually, you know, both of us have some first-hand experience with the topic. Won't be getting into particulars, obviously, and no, for those of you wondering, it was not with one another. No, actually, we, we, we didn't, I dare say we were not friends until kind of after we -hmm. both had, uh, been in our experiences, and then we didn't discuss it as a topic, as friends, for nearly a decade later. No, all of my experience was after I met you, long after I met you. Oh, truly. Uh, It was, it was all post-transition for me. Oh, um, I more or less got into it because uh, so uh, 
medically transitioning, mm-hmm. taking hormones and stuff like that. My body was going through a lot of changes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. processing sensations differently. Um, and I was also exploring uh, new aspects of my sexuality because I had never had the chance to functionally be the woman in the relationship. You know, ah, true. Um, I was dating a uh, dating a girl at the time uh, that was also very uh, open to a lot of things and mm-hmm. took me to some parties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she kind of introduced me to the. Uh, um, to the party scene mm-hmm. and, uh, it was kind of there that I got into it and, and found that that was something that I wanted to explore and essentially used it as a way to, I guess, put my body through the paces of like learning kind of all over again, mm-hmm. at, you know, post transition, what I liked and what I didn't like and who I was, um, from that, from that direction. Hmm. My experience started a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I dare say I was brought into it. Uh, I I won't say that it was anyone's direct fault. I was I was working when I was fifteen. Mm-hmm. I was practically an adult by the time I walked out of high school because I had a car. I had a full time job. Mm-hmm. I I had to question whether or not I was going to go to college full time because I was too busy with my job. Mm-hmm. Um. In that, I met a lot of people who were a few years older than me, to say the least. Um, One in particular uh, took a fancy to me, and that person kind of brought me into the scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, And most of my experiences were uh, started out very personal, Mm -hmm. uh, individuals, um, and then uh, I was privy to a few party scenes. I'll call them higher class, mm-hmm. uh, based upon uh, the the styling and feeling. There was a lot more order mm-hmm. and uh, and a certain level of of <laughs> I dare say glamour to them. Yeah. Uh, in, yeah, in the way that they were established, and it 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 definitely helps with confidence and trust in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, I I kind of departed from the scene when I departed. Uh, ways with that with those people not not on negative terms by any means sure sure you know but sometimes um, you just you just go one direction somebody else goes another direction and yeah you just... um and I, I i don't have any ill will toward it yeah. in any way um in fact i i value those experiences because it taught me quite a number of things that i would never have learned in any other way yeah same same i um, I, I value my own experiences i i haven't had those experiences in a while and most because i don't need them anymore i've yeah. I figured my shit out you know yeah um so, uh, yeah. So I think, you know, without without further ado, mm-hmm. I think we, we just dive into the discussion. We've, we've kind of got our disclaimers out of the way. Well, I think we still have to have one disclaimer on the table because it's the right place to start. That's right. <laughs> My little playthings. Your safe word for the night is X card. Especially if you're in chat. <laughs> Something is making you uncomfortable. Please let us know. All righty. What is... BDSM, because well, a... we throw this word around a lot, and it's got a reputation that kind of precedes itself. It kind of does, and in fact, even culturally within the society, it is represented less as an acronym mm-hmm. and more as a term um, to kind of encapsulate a lot more than what it is. Yep. The, the BDSM, as most people recognize the acronym, is bondage, discipline, uh, sadism, and masochism. Um, in that, uh, some people actually see it more to bondage, uh, discipline, dominance, and submission. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
because the sadism masochism was really uh, a, an entry point by Marquis de Sade, mm-hmm. um, which I guess you could say flourished and brought to the light what was already going on. Right, right. Um, and under that BDSM term, things have kind of evolved into this much larger scene that involves all kinds of acts and movement beyond bondage uh, and discipline, Mm -hmm. uh, but still holds that original tone of dominance and submission. Yeah. Yeah. And acceptance. Um, Funny enough uh, in that sense that, uh, that there is this, that still that standard power exchange, the handing off of the reins. Right. Right. Um, the the core essence of that dominance and submission, Correct. the dom sub relationship, is the exchange of power from sub to dom. Correct, um, but that right there, that concept has a uh, have some terms attached to it for understanding, and that is the idea of safe, sane, consensual, consensual and informed. Right now, those four I picked because. There are some who started with just SSC, which was safe, sane, and consensual. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that really didn't encompass everything that was necessary. Uh, Rack then came out of that, which is risk-aware consensual kink, which kind of funnily really does fit into our topics, which is you know the risks because you consider yourself informed. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that makes it consensual of what is about to occur. And there was a lot of people who weren't comfortable with that idea. Yeah. Now, yeah. that is still an understanding for a portion of the culture mm-hmm. that by knowing what you are getting into, you are accepting what you are getting into. Um, sound familiar to some gaming it it does areas. A bit, yeah. Uh, it's it's you know yeah. You should have known better than to play Morkborg or yeah. <laughs> something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. This is what it is. Um, but again, I, I I'm not going to disparage the people who use rack or who sure, consider sure. that SSC is enough. But personally, um, I think as a whole, we can as a as a group the idea of safe sane consensual and informed covers all of those bases in a comfortable way right so safe you're making sure that nobody is harmed correct um uh, and especially not killed right uh sane uh and no harmed is different than experiencing pain correct okay because some people want that out of their experience correct but you do that in a way that does not cause lasting actual honest to goodness damage correct um, sane. Uh, you want to make sure that all people involved are within their right minds to do this. That means mm-hmm. keeping drugs and alcohol out of the out of the situation, mm-hmm. um, and making sure that you are emotionally sound to to experience the mm-hmm. uh, uh, the the scene. Um, consensual. Obviously, everybody has buy in and mm-hmm. is enthusiastic about participating in the scene. Mm-hmm. And informed, meaning you know what is going on. Correct. And you know what the possible outcomes of that thing are. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, But that whole concept is sometimes hard to chew. And in fact, societally, it's exceptionally hard to chew. We we, we have a lot of bad perceptions. So we're going to wash the palate easily here. Yep. Sarah? Have you ever done a trust fall? I have done a trust fall. Uh, Tell me about it. I was in the Boy Scouts um, uh, way, way back in the day, past life. Um, 
And, uh, but, you know, also like church youth groups. Sure. Uh, I, I grew up Catholic, so I, I think I've done them there. Um, I've also heard of them being in like office team meetings and mm-hmm. team building exercises and stuff like that. Yep. Um, for those not aware what a trust fall is, a trust fall is you st- you have one person stand on an elevated surface. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have to be too high. Usually just like uh, three feet or so sure. is, is good. Yep. Yep. Um, a box or a table or something like that. And what they're going to do is they're going to fall backwards Mm -hmm. the other people in the group are going to hold their arms out Mm -hmm. and um that person is going to fall backwards into their team members arms and they are going to catch them and stop them from falling it's called a trust fall because you're trusting your team members with your safety and security when you take this risk of falling anybody who has done that congratulations you've done light bdsm correct You've put your faith and trust into a group around you to accept a challenge that would harm you. Mm-hmm. And that it's is something outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. 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 Um, and it that that simple design literally encompasses everything. Um, and it's not what most people perceive BDSM as. Yeah, I think, you know, BDSM has a, a, a bit of a perception problem in the public eye, mostly because of movies and such like that that kind of sensationalize it in a lot of ways. Um, and I think most BDSM, at least in my experience, really just looks like people getting scantily clad and hitting each other in various fun and interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot of other, you know, uh, there's 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 rope play and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. and shibari, uh, shibari. There's a uh, f- fire play which mm-hmm. has has been very interesting. Wax is, uh, is often used. Yeah, exactly. But mostly, what it is is just a bunch of sensation junkies. Honestly, well, I mean, and and we can say that as you expand this, and people are like, yeah, I've seen that or I've, I've heard about mm-hmm. that. Truthfully, with the advent of the internet and people being able to to express themselves, we're seeing a lot more of the generalized kinks mm-hmm. that come out of BDSM. Yeah. Um, what's funny is is that any of our, I would say, any of our greater European uh, listeners who are probably listening in on this are dare saying like, oh yeah, like what wh- wh- what are you telling us that we don't already know about? Right, right. This is real vanilla stuff, but yeah, you need but, to understand yeah, the American puritanical, puritanical culture. We're, we're, yeah. we're babies here still yeah. going through this. Uh, um, and then unfortunately you had movies like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey mm-hmm. that, that came out and uh, was like, this is what BG... No, no, it's no, not. No, not it's really least. not. Please run, avoid, 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 avoid Fifty Shades of Grey. It is not at all what it looks like. It's a lot less... Uh, uh, it, it's it's it, you 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 see far less you know leather and latex clad doms with riding crops than you really would think you would you would you would see. You and know? I will say, knowing Fifty Shades of Grey, it does a disservice to what it should be. Yeah, massive um, consent issues we, in that story. We see most of the popular fictions mm-hmm. of that display BDSM as abuse. Yeah, there is very little consent in it. Um, I'm sure there might be a listener or two out there who's screaming, but what about The Secretary? Secretary was a great movie. Secretary was a great Secretary movie. Secretary was a phenomenal movie. Um, you can always find aspects of anything that isn't the best situation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I dare say sanity was a concern that was not addressed properly in that movie, but was if you really watch the entire context. Yeah. Um, yeah. In that, uh, that is a different kind of example. But again, there's probably a few of our listeners who are now writing down the word the secretary and going to look it up. Please do. Um, this is not unlike TTRPGs. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Uh... Y'all know my feelings on Dungeons and Dragons, and if you don't, just wait a couple episodes. You'll hear. Um, but you've got uh, a a major game that's out there that kind of dominates the landscape, and people's mm-hmm. a lot of first and only experience with role playing is is uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but unfortunately, that that kind of colors everybody's perceptions of what role playing games are, and there are plenty of games that don't follow even close to the heuristic that um, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons set forth. And nor do the live plays now. Now the live plays are leaning toward the trope of what live play should be. Yeah. Which isn't even the mechanics or design of the game in many ways. Mm-hmm. And that that brings a whole new level of, of what we could effectively call TTRPG kink. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and, you know, what you like versus how you should be doing things. Yeah, there's just so many flavors of it actually out there, and most of it's really good, but unfortunately most people just experience D&D. Right. Um, and, and they think that that's, that's what the entire landscape looks like. So. so understand that as we bring all this forward to this point, this is our baseline. This is us just demystifying things for this discussion. Yeah. So you know where we're coming from, where the, the kind of level playing field that we're going to be talking about these two subjects sure so let's talk about some comparisons yeah there's a lot of comparisons i mean just off the top like mm-hmm. a, and we'll we'll get into some nitty-gritty in, in in a little bit but like some real quick discussion of it um uh there's a uh was it, is she a researcher so margaret weiss margaret weiss was a uh researcher uh and and philosopher of it mm-hmm. uh she referred to uh bateson's uh actual views on the topic of play. Mm-hmm. And one of the points that she makes that, that Bateson clearly makes is that play is just something that is set apart from regular life with its own rules. Well, that sounds like the definition of a tabletop RPG. Well, it puts the word play, more importantly, why it's in there, mm-hmm. why it's role play. Because what we are doing in play literally is stepping away from regular life, applying some new sets of rules, and doing something. And engaging with that. And engaging yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, as a role, you know, uh, as much as it could be. Sure, sure. That applies 100% to our scenarios of and, and scenes of BDSM. Absolutely. Because of that... The similarities only get them tighter the more we examine things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you start getting down to the particulars of, uh, like, BDSM play, and you've got things like safety tools. Which are recent to TTRPGs, but based on the history, like, TTRPGs are pretty advanced when you think about the timeline of how long they've been around versus when safety tools come into play. Yep, yep. You've got uh, sessions and scenes. Things Mm -hmm. are broken down into discrete... Uh, uh, parts where they begin and they end. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You've got uh, communication being key. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both mediums in which communicating with one another in the scene is very important to make sure that safety and consent 
uh, and buy-in is is both maintained. at the engagement level and the meta level. Yes, like both have to be there. Uh, everyone's fun is different. One hundred percent. You will never find in a BDM situ- BDSM situation where both the dom and the sub have the same mind frame. If they didn't, they wouldn't be in that power dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Legitimately. Exactly. Legitimately. Uh, and honestly, that sounds boring because then you wouldn't have any room to explore. Correct. You know? Correct. At that point, you're just it's just a Going relationship of ideas. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're almost faking it. And because of that, there is a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into that power dynamic a little bit here further about what that really points out to itself. But they both also have a very key thing, and that is this stigma that's attached to the words adult play. Mm -hmm. You know, even if we distance ourselves against the terminology that we discussed from Bateson, we're talking about how the mainstream and socially acceptable people consider what acceptable play is right uh i mean you're talking um you know on the bdsm side of things there is you know vanilla sex is basically right. seen as the acceptable way to engage with a partner whereas bdsm is the quote-unquote freaky stuff mm-hmm. you know and then like sports it's fine if you play sports if you say you're tossing around a basketball with the boys or going to the football game or something like that mm-hmm. people are like oh cool have a great time the super bowl is like the biggest sporting event in the world and it's just a bunch of grown men playing a game yeah it doesn't change the term play in that situation but there's still and i would say it's fading it's fading quickly as as tabletop role playing games become more and more mainstream but there's still quite a bit of an aspect of um, oh, you're a grown man that plays with little toy soldiers? Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I do. They're called Warhammer models, and mm-hmm. it's a strategy game akin to chess on a grand table, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. And what's interesting, and, I, and I'm going to say this vocally because it it's bothered me a little bit, was uh, my company has a newsletter for the employees where mm-hmm. they ask for submissions about things that are part of they our lives for your submission they did okay they did which was hard for me to do um <laughs> i rolled right over yep, yep. <laughs> i feel that um but i submitted like hey you know you know tell us what you do in your free time and 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 what drives you and and what's what's existing i put in that i have this podcast mm-hmm. and that i support the education of role play and storytelling within that environment and wrote up this whole write up saying i you know i this is my submission mm-hmm. and i got not a single response not even a thank you out of that yeah and my brain immediately went to this went to a corporate person who is looking at a corporate envelope and saying how many people are really going to understand this and would this have any kind of impact on? Yeah. That sounds super niche and chucked it in the corner. Right. Yep. Yet it's okay for people to talk about their horses or their boating. Yeah. Or their, their, their the fact that they're an umpire mm-hmm. for something, you know. And and those are great. They're very, commu- they're very traditional community sure. things. Nobody's dissing them. And I'm perfectly fine with that, but at the same time, it still puts it back into that stigma category of people not understanding. I mean, funny enough, my sister, of all people, has known me role-playing my entire life and mm-hmm. still to this day doesn't quite get it. Yeah. Like, can't yeah. wrap her head around it. And she's family. Mm-hmm. She knows this at, at all times. Um, and that's it, it. But again, it puts that back on that that stigma that 
the activities that we do as adults are outside of the norm. Right, right. Like that we are almost juvenile for doing this. Or aberrant in some way. Yeah, that that this isn't normal. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got the, the, the sort of puritanical conservative angle on things that that impulse to stigmatize what is mm-hmm. misunderstood. And so you end up with things like the satanic panic. You know, yeah. I don't know what D&D is, but it sounds like Satan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, kind of the same thing with BDSM. Like even for, for me getting into the scene, I was very like, I didn't know what to expect. And then when I got there, it was like. There was a there was a veggie tray, you know, yeah. <laughs> like at the party, and I was like, "This is literally just like many other parties I've ever been to." There's pop, there's a veggie tray, there's there's little sandwiches, and there's a couple naked people spanking each other in the other room. Like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, should we just hang out, you know. <laughs> but just as much as that, there is that. Mm-hmm. There is the perception of what that actually is. Yeah, you know, and and yet. Even beyond the puritanical conservativeness, there's also the wildly almost, I will say, um, uh, I guess, crazed ideas of like, oh, well, you're either in one of two camps of that. You're a bunch of 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 randos who are at a hotel party mm-hmm. and you're just going randomly room to room partying. Right, right, right. right. Or... You're ultra rich and you wear masks and cloaks and work do this with the Bilderbergs. So it's, you it's know. either it's either it's either Woodstock or it's eyes wide shut. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. and and realistically, that's how again it gets painted, like D and D, where it's like either you're a bunch of you know lonely nerds in your basement uh. in your in your hoodies and sweatpants eating Fritos, you know, and drinking Mountain Dew with your lined notebook paper, you know, m- talking about how you're going to do them, you know, or your critical role and you have a two and a half million dollar set and each one of your shows is, a you know, gets, you know, several million viewers and your professional actors who now have I don't know a seven, a several tens of million dollar, you know, animation mm-hmm. that got put on, you know, Netflix, you know, and epic storylines that are now composed in novellas, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's that that's the split. Split. You're either one of those <laughs> two, right? God, God, I wish it were like that, you know. But either way, both of these societies are still viewed. As this unacceptable sin. As these outsiders, yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of think that brings them back together. Kind of like how I said, vampire really brought nerds and goths together because they were dealing with the same problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I love it. I absolutely. love it. I, I dare say BDSM kind of circled the wagons around Oh, ab- the Masquerade. Abso- absolutely, yeah. The, those in Jarum Clove cigarettes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> God, you made me remember that smell instantaneously. Like, oh, man. <laughs> I can't get over that scent. Like if I smell it, I I one hundred percent believe someone is playing vampire near me. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so let's let's break down direct one hundred percent comparisons. Session zero. Session zero. This is this is the first massive crossover with with uh, uh, with tabletop role playing games. All right, all good play groups start with a meeting to agree upon the terms the boundaries, the desires, and the safety tools in place to maintain trust. Right back to safe, sane, consensual, informed. What we're talking about is expectations. Setting them, understanding them so that we can move through what is expected of this play. Mm -hmm. 
You know, what what things would you like to see? What things would you not like to see happen? Right. In in BDSM, we, we call these things soft boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, we say uh, these are like not deal breakers, but I'm not into them and mm-hmm. we should probably keep them off the table. But like if sure. they happen, I'm not going to like pitch a bitch. You right, know? right. Um, hard boundaries are the ones where you're like, absolutely not. I will stop the session if this happens. Correct. Okay. Correct. These are the lines and veils that we've talked about in roleplay. Exactly. Lines are something that can come up later because you don't even know they're there, mm-hmm. you know, or in some cases, but they're still a hard line like right. as it presents itself. Veils tend to be something that is flexibly by moment. Yeah. And often, even in BDSM, there are things that allow you to adjust for those well they, they call them they call them veils because they're supposed to be a veil of, of mystery Correct. about uh, uh, over over that particular topic so mm-hmm. i don't mind if you know for instance uh torture happens you know uh, this is, as an example right this is not my own personal line uh, or veil here but like i don't mind if torture happens but i prefer be a veil like i don't want you to describe a torture scene to me right you can just be like clearly the man has been tortured yes Okay, I get it. Yeah. Don't, you know. don't tell me about the screams that are coming out of the tower. Right. Don't tell me what parts of the body he's missing. I right. Don't, we don't need to know that much. But that, again, that you then know. pushes it into the tools that we need for communication to move forward. Mm-hmm. The X card is a predominantly that thing. It's a safe um, word, yeah. And, and that sits in that same ripcord situational position where... We need to stop and examine. Yes, exactly. You know, and everyone stops to examine. Uh, and that's and that's basically how. I mean, we we've all heard. I think anybody who's even heard the term BDSM knows what a safe word is. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, but you know, if, in case you have never had occasion to use one, a safe word is a ripcord situation. Mm-hmm. I.e., it pulls the parachute. Everything stops. Yes. Uh, no, we are no longer Dom and Sub. We are two people sitting in a room together, and something just crossed we are a line. Back to session zero. Yes, we are. We are paused back to that position of what? What happened? What went wrong? What do you need to move forward? To move forward. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's that return to safety. Mm-hmm. It's that return to trust that instantaneously happens. The thing that that is about that is that there's there's other grades. Mm-hmm. There's the check-ins. There's just the simple things that we do to make sure that the experience is still good. Right. Thirsty Sword lesbians talked a lot about a check card in, yes. in addition to the X card of just basically someone can tap the check card of just just to make basically have a visual to like is everyone cool right now? Yeah. And those that follows the traffic light system that exists in in the the, the red, yellow, and green of BDSM. Mm-hmm. Again, it's that soft pause. It's that acknowledgement that I am uncomfortable moving into something, but I'm I'm right. still here. I'm still moving through this. And I I really like the traffic light system because, and especially like in the. I think this one this one goes a little bit further, like mm-hmm. with the tabletop role playing thing, because. Especially if you are the type of people who can get very emotional at the table mm-hmm. and, and you know, into deep role play, and you're mm-hmm. not just you know mindlessly killing monsters and racking up XP or whatever. You know, right. think like critical role. You know, on the occasions where they've had people, multiple people sobbing at the table because they're they're having a funeral for mm-hmm. one of their dead PCs. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that's a pretty deep emotional thing. And you've got multiple people it, just ugly crying at the mm-hmm, table, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but there's a moment where 
ugly crying can be an immersive experience that is in character and you're glad it's happening, yep. you know? Um, and there's a line where that ugly crying starts, uh, st- stops being fun for you. Mm-hmm. And it, you start having an emotional response as a person, not as a character, you know, mm-hmm. and it might ruin your day. BDSM, you have a lot of the same sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, uh, damn, that hurts might be an affirmation. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on what's going on and who's saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a good thing because you have asked for it and that's the type of play that you're engaging in. That doesn't necessarily mean you should stop at that point. Mm-hmm. But it might warrant a check-in if it's something out of the ordinary. Yeah, I mean, even even the meta term of green, yellow, and red can be interspersed mm-hmm. within the, the the conversation and play so that you know everything's okay. I mean, I come back to a massage therapist angle of like, was that sound good or bad that just came out of you? Yeah, exactly. That that's that's what that color coding is. That's you know, all you then would need the person to do is be like, green, green, green. Okay, okay, yep. that was a good sound. Got it. All right, and that's legitimate. That's understanding. Mm-hmm. Again, that's taking that very brief pause to move forward. Yeah, like everybody green, super green. Let's yep. keep going. And sometimes, sometimes you just need to say yellow just to take a deep breath mm-hmm. and go, slow, okay. Slow, slow the roll a little bit. Slow the roll. Give me, give me one minute to just process what just happened. <sighs> okay, we're green again. Let's mm-hmm. go. Yep, yep. And just, again, it's just a light pause. Yep. Um, what I will say between those two, between the X card and check card situation, mm-hmm. is that an X card does not mean everything is done. It can Without a doubt, it can. Yeah. But yeah. it does mean it is a dead stop because that person needs more than just a pause. Right, right. They need understanding. They need a, a reset of the trust wheel, basically, Yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, whereas a check card is, we're okay. Everyone's okay right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe that yellow goes to a red. Maybe it eventually becomes an X card because something's building mm-hmm. that they they weren't prepared for. Yeah. So that's why those other cards are important so that you don't immediately go to a hard stop and everybody doesn't realize that it's happened. And I've, I've had that happen before, too, where I called yellow mm-hmm. and my dom said, mm, nope, you're sweating. You're red. Yeah. We're red. We're done. Exactly. Because yep. that's the checkpoint. That's, that's everybody checkpoint. checking on health. Yep. Um, a lot of times uh, there is, strangely enough, a DM in BDSM. Mm-hmm. And that is a third party who's watching both of them. Who's watching everyone involved, oh. not being involved? Yeah, they're they're basically the official on the side with all three cards, so they can make sure. Because you may not recognize, in a lot of cases, they may not be, some someone in that involved circle may not be able to use their voice. Yep, you need that official almost to be able to step in and say, "We're yellow right now." Mm-hmm. Just. Nice and slow. Loosen that knot. Her arm, her, her, right. her fingers are turning purple. Correct. Oh, I didn't notice because I was too in the scene. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, you know. Sometimes the setting yep. isn't good for that. Yep. You know, it might be a little dark. Sometimes it might be a change in equipment or mm-hmm. a change in position that is just enough. Yep. You got to be aware of these things. Yep. <laughs> and we are not in our 20s anymore. Oh, God, no. We are not that flexible. And sounds of body parts doing things can often mean problems. <laughs> <laughs> So. Uh, and then I would say the last, the last part, you know, uh, to 
to this this whole uh, toolkit here is like the wishes and stars, the aftercare. Yeah. Um, it's a discussion after play about what was enjoyed, what was not enjoyed, um, and it kind of helps ease the players out of the heightened situation and back into their daily lives. Yeah, um, a bit Re- of a debriefing. Yeah, a return to the regular, mm-hmm. the removal of those rules, and we'll t- we'll talk more in depth about that in a little bit. Yes. Yes. Um, but right now, we won't, I kind of want to address some things uh, from the Session Zero standpoint, what not to do yes. that we learned from BDSM. First off, binding contracts. Don't do them. For the love of God, this does not. This is not a thing, okay? Continuous communication. Continuation is a continuous journey, not a one and done, okay? Correct. I have seen this on Reddit in like r slash RPG so many times where like, a line gets crossed in a group and somebody goes on Reddit and says, what should I do about this? And so many people jump in and go, well, they agreed to it during session zero. They should they should just suck it up. This goes back they, to the... They can't have a problem with it now. This goes back to the, you were informed, Yep. therefore you consented. Therefore you consented. And, and that's, consent that's... and information are not the same things. Consent is an ongoing discussion. Correct. And can be revoked at any time. Correct. By any party. Yes. So you should never find yourself in that situation where you're told that you've already agreed to it. You have to abide by it now. I'm looking at you, Christian Grey, mm-hmm. because this is one of the big reasons why people balk at Fifty Shades of Grey. Because mm-hmm. there's several situations in there where he makes her he makes her sign a contract like basically at the beginning of their relationship when she doesn't know anything about BDSM. She literally just just looks it up online. Right. She's this complete babe in the woods, and he has her agree to all these terms. And then for the rest of the book, holds it over her head about, like, oh, well, you agreed to this. So sorry. You just have to deal with this being done to you now, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, look, if if you are ever uncomfortable, you have every right to express that and to discontinue play. You should never be shamed for looking out for your own safety. Mm Mm-hmm even if you thought that subject was okay during session zero. Because a lot of times we don't know how to articulate things that will make us uncomfortable. And and to a positive note on that, people change, situation change, lives change, years past. There's nothing to say that you won't want something different mm-hmm. within that situation, that you won't be like, okay, I think I do want that thing now that I understand mm-hmm. how this is going. Maybe may, maybe I do want to try some a little more gritty gaming. Or vice versa. I thought this sounded good on the surface, but now that I'm experiencing it, I'm finding it really doesn't jive with me very well. Or right now, after, I don't know, a friend's passing, I'm not comfortable today. With dealing with these scenes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's not. Yeah. Let's let's change this up for right now. Yep. So one of the other things, too, uh, that is kind of a big uh, session zero red flag, I suppose. Yeah. Is joining an existing group without managing those expectations. You hear about people jumping into these campaigns that are already existing and having a terrible time. Mm-hmm. Because there's expectations that are established. There's 
these hidden social rules that they've had. Yeah, there's already an established group dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. already kind of know each other's boundaries. They already know each other's wishes and stars and stuff like that. And so there's a vibe that you're kind of jumping into that you don't get to bring anything to. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Or you bring something that they weren't prepared for. Mm-hmm. Because you thought that's the norm. Yeah. Yeah. That's just how it is. Like, I've I've always done it this way. Why, why are you... You guys weirded out by this, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the big the big thing about this is that your expectations may differ, mm-hmm. um, and uh, often do, and and and, and often do. Uh, so the the big thing you need to take away from this is do not blindly agree to the boundaries and rules set to uh, set and agreed to by other people. Yeah. Okay. It's scary because you don't have a voice in the situation. Mm-hmm. If something bad happens, your experience may not be respected. Yeah. Like you said, it's just how that this is just how we do it here. Suck it up, cupcake. Yeah, which is the worst. Mm-hmm. And that that right there, even if it's not horrible, it but it can be bad enough to set your expectation that this might be how it's always mm-hmm. like. Like this is how, like I I can tell you a number of people who were brought into the BDSM scene and had a horrific experience, not necessarily painful, not necessarily scarring or anything like that, but just a horrifically d- distasteful experience mm-hmm. that they were like, well, this, if this is what it's like, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah, exactly. And I could say the exact same thing for role-playing. Yeah. We both know people who stepped into LARPs and hated it because of how they entered it. Yeah, yeah. And I... it ruined their role-playing experience. We've we've got uh, you know one player in our group, uh, in our Moscow group, actually, who yep. we... Uh, had as a spectator for the longest time who finally joined us because she had such a bad experience years ago Mm -hmm. with role-playing and only just now has dipped her toes into it after watching us repeatedly. Yeah. And and is, I would say, relatively thriving in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And even the best people who are in it can make mistakes bringing someone in. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and it's the truth, is that Role playing is still trying to learn, and this—that is why I feel that this discussion is necessary. Mm-hmm. Power dynamics. Hmm. This is this is arguably the core of the discussion right here. I would say so. Okay, arguably the core of most D- most BDSM play. This is the DS part, the dominance and submission part. Okay, uh, you have a quote here from Doctor Bert Cutler. Correct. So. The, the thought here, which I thought was interesting, and I'll, I'll read the quote in totality. It's a little long. Sure, sure. But that tops, and, and the conversation of this point is tops and bottoms, doms and subs, mm-hmm. uh, tops being doms, um, that subs often want to constantly be in a submissive state. It's something that they, they feed on. Mm-hmm. Yet tops, and this is where the quote comes in, may less often in the mood to play Due to the increased demand for responsibility on their part, being aware of the safety of the situation, preparing to remove the bottom from dangerous scenarios, being conscious of the desires and limits of the bottom, and so on. If you're a DM, and you've ever experienced DM burnout, you know what this feels like. Or players who constantly push you to run a game every week, or twice a week. Or players that show up with the bare minimum, barely ever their dice into their character sheet, and expect you to just come up with the rest. So here's where the crux of it comes in, and that is, is that 
people come to play TTRPGs in the same way that subs often enter BDSM, and that is, is they want to have an experience. They would like to tr- that uh, to trust someone that dm to provide it for them that they will show up and hand over control and they'll be told or shown what they need to do Mm -hmm. to let go yeah that's what their expectations is yeah and that's we i have seen it table after table yep without a doubt they want an experience presented I, i mean i'll 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 be honest with you like first off I, I'm in case it hasn't been abundantly clear from from the things I've said. I am a sub, mm-hmm. uh, and like that that is yes, that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Okay, but second off though, as someone who runs a game and plays in a game, mm-hmm. I play in Sean's game. Mm-hmm. Man, is it nice to just show up with my laptop and not have to worry about literally anything else other than just being at the table. Yeah, you know, and and honestly, I I I submit that. That is the exchange of power. Mm-hmm. That is that power exchange that is necessary. That's placing the power and control of the situation into another's hands. Yeah, absolutely. And trusting that person will provide the experience that you asked for and set expectations on. Yep. Yep. It is the trust fall experience. Yeah. I want to experience the danger of falling. I don't want to experience the impact at the end. So therefore, I trust you to catch me. And I'm placing the power and control of that situation in your hands. Yeah, it's a lot to accept. Yeah, it is. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this to our listeners who I, I know are in the Discord who have said they've had a hard time stepping into being a DM. It is a challenging job, not just from the preparation state. Yeah. There's a lot of demands to think about. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, I respect your stress. Sarah and I both respect that. We understand it. Absolutely. Now that we've had this open discussion, we can explain why. We really, (laughs) truly understand it. Because, again, throughout the history of this show, this has come up multiple times. And that is that the truth of the matter is Mm -hmm. both the sub and the dom, the the player and the GM, share responsibility that is not a one-way street it is not you throwing away your responsibility when you walk in the door and expecting someone to just take the reins from you yeah exactly so that you can do that that works exceptionally well in a one-on-one a dom sub relationship Mm -hmm. okay within all of the other framework of the scenes the acts keeping it simple, defining your your zones. You can do that. It is still a lot of energy. Yeah. But when you bring five other people in, or, I don't know, sometimes six because your girlfriend wants to game two, Mm -hmm. now it is a group. Now everyone has to be on that. And so the control, although it situationally is handed superficially to the Dom, the GM. Yeah. In truth, the players still have control. Those subs are the ones truly in control of the safety tools, the safe words, being able to redline parts of the experience. Honestly, and, and redefine the, con- the control of the flow of the story, too. 100%. You know? I mean, us, us as storytellers talk a lot about how, you know, uh, no, no plot survives contact with the table. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. I mean, I'm glad you made elaborate notes. You fool, you rube, you absolute imbecile. Yeah. But <laughs> the moment those players are going to go completely left field on you, 
and and and, and, and you're just powerless but to but to but to chase them yeah and and provide provide story for whatever it is they choose to do you seem like you're in control but you're really not no they are telling you what the story is right you're you're providing the experience for which it can occur mm-hmm. and making sure that experience is safe and consensual through the whole thing and in that it is it isn't truly lost upon the players that their rights for safety and happiness just get handed off it is it is still within their grasp nor and this is the key here does it give the dom veto powers over that right in any way right they can't just say you accepted this this is my game mm-hmm. okay that that's not gonna fly aspects of it 100 percent and this is where I think that you, I want to I want people to understand that the veto power that we're talking about here is the understanding that when a dom sets a situation in motion that they are setting their limits of expectation and when a sub then pushes those limits they do have the ability to say no mm-hmm that that is beyond what I have established. Yeah. And that is often lost in the fictions that is presented. Mm-hmm. And that that's sad, in my, in my opinion. Both the players and the GM will share power to change the scene for safety and comfort. Yeah. Because you have more than two people in that space. Mm-hmm. So... One of the other, we're going to talk about some some uh, some kind of uh, no nos, kind of like we did with the um, with the session zero part of this. Uh, so, from the power exchange standpoint, consensual play does not exist in a binary state of either this happens or never again. Correct. Okay, it, things are not either allowed or disallowed as a constant. It is it is a shade within there. Consent is an ongoing discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and a person may not be okay with events playing out for a number of reasons. They may not be okay with what is happening now or how it's happening. Like, I'm okay with the trust fall, just don't shove me off of the table. Right. I Let me fall on my own and we'll be perfectly fine, but if you shove me, that's a no-no. You know? Um, they might not be in the right right headspace to accept what's happening in the moment, i.e., I've had a stressful day at work. I cannot withstand this event right now, but I might be okay with it next session. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. And then it it may be an uncertainty without more experience, without being in it. Right. They like, may be informed that this is how... This is how these game mechanics work and how this role-playing narrative is going to work. But until they're in it and experiencing it, they may not know how to consent to it. Right. And if they're okay with that, they might need a sample, an Mm -hmm. example, to be able to be willing to do it. I mean, I I remember vividly in the BDSM scene riding crops. They were very popular. Oh, sure. A lot of people... I would say there was a lot of subs who liked them because they seemed playful mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of early doms would laugh about them. Mm-hmm. They would look at people and be like, oh, you think they're cute. That's great. Turn around. First off, that is not how you bring somebody into experience. That is flirting. Mm-hmm. Mind your flirt and your and your submission. 
Number hmm. one, straight yep. up. That's yep. that's rude, and that's a bad example to go for. But a lot of people did it, mm-hmm. and then they would give them a rap. That's a gauge rap. What you're doing right there when you're hitting somebody with a cat of nine tails or or a soft leather uh, um, tail is you're setting a a gauge of what the person might be able to accept. Yep. Not the hardest. Yep. And when that person says, oh, you can go harder than that, that should end the conversation. That should be like, okay, you know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Not a, we're going to keep going and make a scene out of this. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Yeah. That's, that is a juvenile response to a situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's, be careful there. That's also called topping from the bottom. Correct. <laughs> Correct. But in truth... What you're doing there, unless you have an established relationship with that person, is you're setting a very poor example to everyone else around you. Agreed. Agreed. Of what consent really looks like. Yes. You you handed me the writing crop. Therefore, you're consenting to me to test it on you. Mm-hmm. No. No, not at all. That's not how that works. Mm-hmm. Well, you were informed about what that object is. I've never experienced one before. Right. I've seen one. I've and I, talked and to I people. didn't say, here, hit me with this. Correct. Or I may have said... Sure. And then I experienced it and said, hmm, okay, I might like this. Why are you doing it a second time? Mm. I, I This is not something I've consented to. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's part of that. No different than, hey, we're going to have a very gritty, realistic game. Right, right. Where we're going to be, you know, where we're going to be dealing with some hard issues about command and obligation and and heroism juxtaposition to genocide. Mm-hmm. Okay. You might be okay with, okay, I can understand those concepts. And then the first time the experience happens, you're not okay with this. Yeah. And they're just like, well, that's how your character's feeling. Okay, work through it. No. No, no this is not work through it. This Rob is, this is, is not yeah. okay with this. <laughs> right. Right? Like, I'm, I'm going to need to dial this back. But if this is the game that the rest of you are comfortable with playing, I might need to not be part of this game. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to be shamed out of the circle. Right. That's where we're coming from on this, is that it's not binary. Yeah. If I want to come back to play, that should be okay. Mm-hmm. So. You can tell I have attitude about this. You do. You do. And rightly so. So. Surrendering power is done willingly and must be done willingly. It must be accepted that this is occurring. Now, the word willingly is doing a lot of heavy lifting here, okay? It must be genuine and not a performance. It must be done for you, not because it's something that you think the other party will enjoy, but you will not, okay? This, this to me, is the difference in what we perceive as Let's Plays and what they are. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have mixed feelings about certain Let's Plays that we see, everything from Critical Role to um, some of the stuff that Brennan's on, where it can get to satirical and or seem that these people uh, are, are, are being very acting. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas you might watch some episodes of Critical Role and you you kind of blur the line between are they method acting through this? Are they because they're crying? 
They're 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 deeply involved in their characters. Yeah, absolutely. And part of that is is that they have trusted the people at the table with allowing them to experience their character, experience those moments, be attached to them, and be willing to accept and move through them together. Because they know they're in a safe space, mm -hmm. that if something is uncomfortable, that it will be addressed. If you go in with the concept that is often painted in in people talking about narrative gaming and that is is that you are acting for the other people at the table mm -hmm. you're you're not so much as being your character as it is you're entertaining other people at the table and that's the important thing you're disconnecting your emotional state from your character mm -hmm. and therefore not really being prepared for what could come back at you Mm -hmm. And that right there can really cause a lot of conflict when people look at you effectively enduring things with a smile because your character is acting through it. Right. And then later freaking out. That's not power exchange. That's just letting a person make you miserable. Yeah. Often yourself. Yeah. Because you're not communi you're not being honest in your communication. You're not being open mm -hmm. with these people. You're you're being disingenuine to yourself, most of all. Yeah. And and I I think that the the inevitable you know the inevitable outcome of something like this is you have a lot of scenes and or groups that have imploded because somebody endured something that they didn't enjoy for six sessions. Mm -hmm. And then on the seventh, they just pop, and they're like, I, "I can't, I cannot do this anymore. I've got to put my foot down." Mm -hmm. And it comes, it, it looks like it comes completely out of nowhere because mm -hmm. for six sessions you sat there with a smile on your face, mm -hmm. and so the outward perception is for for everybody is you must have enjoyed it. You never said anything. We had no idea. We had no idea, and in, until they weren't okay with it, mm -hmm. uh, and you know all those. If you bottle things up, they just turn into bombs later. Yeah. The quicker you can break the meta, the more you can use your tools to discuss your your concerns so that you can be comfortable with it, the more everyone else will be trusting of you. Exactly. Um, I applauded you during, when well, we even just talking about this discussion, mm -hmm. about how you brought torture and, and, and excessive degrees of murder hoboing as a problem. Yeah. And you've talked about it in two different games with me that I've been involved with you in. Mm -hmm. And knowing that, I am a better player to be able to interact with you and have those moments. Mm -hmm. Knowing that you're uncomfortable with this so that I can check with you. That I can have those discussions with you. Yeah. That the other players can, can dial things back a little bit. Or check other players and be like, hey, we need to dial that back, remember? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And that continuously builds that trust between everybody. I'm not ever going to look at you sarah and say why aren't you handling that now we need to do this like, right this is the right. way it's been like everybody else is having fun right yeah just you know just go with it just roll with it no no i'm not going to make you uncomfortable mm -hmm. i'm not going to push you or shame you for having discomfort in that yeah yeah that's not fun and then we come to aftercare aftercare i love that Aftercare is a very, very, very important part about any 
Dom Sub scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, it is a soft ending to the scene that allows the Dom and the Sub to both kind of reground themselves after the intensity of the scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's going to be adrenaline. There's going to be emotions and a lot of things that may have pushed buttons or boundaries that may have just occurred. Mm-hmm. And someone doesn't just walk away from that without taking a moment to just process it all. Yeah, I mean, not everything is going to do that. Not yeah, sure. every TTRPG is going to need that. You're not, you're not going to need excessive aftercare from a, a, a moderate game. A, a lighthearted D&D romp of you know, killing goblins in a dungeon or, or even just like, you know? oh, we did some puzzles today. That was yeah. really cool. May not have any any direct, you know, kind of thing. But like if you're doing the critical role, like a PC died and three of your characters are ugly crying at the table, maybe you're going to need to take a moment to kind of process those emotions afterwards. You know, well, not even that so much. As, or <laughs> yes, that I apologize. Um, But also just the fact that the baggage that we bring to the table does not disappear the moment we step into character. Even if we're okay with playing the game, what you carry into the game stacks with everything else that's going on in it. Mm -hmm. So, though it might be lighthearted, there is nothing to say that by the end, you aren't now managing more. Yeah, exactly. Because things unpacked while you were in game. Mm -hmm. Likewise, and I dare say that this has happened more times than I've seen, is people between games figure things out. And how well they attach in other directions. I've had those moments of realization. Mm -hmm. Where then I come back to the next game and I am in a very different psychological state from my character than I left. Yeah. And now I have to figure out how to manage that. That's a lot of work effort. Yeah. To get through now and make sure I'm expressing both Rob and my character's needs. So by the end I can feel like, okay, I just got through that therapy. Mm -hmm. I needed that. Thank you very much. You know, that aftercare is necessary. I and I dare say aftercare should really be involved in a lot more. Yeah. I hope that the term continues to move away from its satirical discussions about it and the comedic responses that have happened and we get more into a serious understanding. I I've been in court. I've been in federal court as mm-hmm. a uh as a expert witness. I've seen the intensity that lawyer teams and lawyers on either side have had and the animosity that builds and the the tension. It's it's like the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And when the judge walks in, it's all snarls and, you know, cutthroat kind of position. Like, it's literally two ships a yard apart staring at each other with sabers rattling. But the moment that judge walks out of the room, they're like puppies at a dog park. You know, like, hey, how you doing? How Players are your are kids? Players are each other's butts? Yes. I will flat out say yes to that <laughs> comment. And I dare say if Legal Eagle ever listened to this, he would agree. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fair. But the point is, is that that they understand aftercare. Mm-hmm. Lawyers do. There's a reason why they go to the bar. Yeah. Like, that's a term in their design. The legal bar is literally the bar they go to to talk about what's gone on. They have to unpack. They have to understand that the decisions that get made and the the turnabouts that occur are an experience Mm -hmm. for all of them to understand and learn from. They might have personal opinions about how things should bend in a certain way, but the law for them is the law. They have to all know it. They have to know the cases. They have to have that communication. So in that sense, when we talk about aftercare, we're talking about getting that communication 
to unpack. Yeah. I mean, starting off, I'm just with your wishes and stars, your roses and thorns. Yeah. In some cases, literal thorns. Yeah. Um, just talking about what went right, mm-hmm. what went wrong, mm-hmm. not necessarily even wrong from the, you know, how dare you standpoint, mm-hmm. but like just the, yeah, that that one didn't really work for me. Yeah. Maybe we can, we can, we can, we can leave that one out next time. Yeah. You know, and opt for something else. I think in line with that is that critique is not criticism. It should not be interpreted as such. Absolutely. This isn't personal. Absolutely. It's a group event, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of times DMs will take, a, you know, a, I didn't have a lot of fun. That's my fault. Mm-hmm. No. No, it is not. There's a table full of people there. There, Yeah. Right? yeah. You there, are one player at that table. And you're not a master of anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just, there's a reason why I like using the term storyteller over DM. Right? Yeah. You are not the, you have no degree. You're not four years into this, and I assure you, anybody who has a four-year degree as a DM or a doctorate, Dr. Jason, I will be talking, <laughs> I'm referring to you, that man has has decades at this, and he's still practicing. Listen, like damn any. it, I didn't spend four years at dungeon school to be called Miss, all right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, profession, Professor Dungeon Master, you know. But but the point is is that we're all still practicing. We're yeah, all still yeah. learning and moving through this. Um. And we all want the next session to feel better and to be better than the last. It's a growth. Critique to me is empowering when it's done in good faith, right? Yeah. Your players or your sub are giving you the cheat codes on how to make them happy. Okay. When a player says, I didn't enjoy this particular aspect, but I would enjoy this other, this, this other aspect was, was the bomb. I want more of that in the campaign. Right. Congratulations. They've literally just told you how to write good plot for them. And they'll be surprised at the next session. Sure. Or sessions later. Absolutely. Um, you know, and that's why it's also important to talk about what you enjoyed as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it, First off, I mean, it's good. It's good, obviously, to hear for that, that sort of critique, so you know to do that thing mm-hmm. again in the future. Mm-hmm. But it just all around feels good to receive words of affirmation. Yeah, you know, yeah. I loved that you did this thing. Is not only good for next time, but it's just an emotional high five. Yeah, I love doing my wishes and stars at the end of the day, at the end of a game, and people are going. My favorite thing was when Sean made that one offhanded comment. Mm-hmm. I damn near spit milk out of my nose. Yep. you know. Yep. Because you f- you feel good, everyone can feel the glow off. Yeah, of that. absolutely. And you want more of that. The idea is is that you are stepping out of the norm mm-hmm. to have these experiences. Have them be good experiences. Yeah, lean into that. Yeah, celebrate it. Emotions, like I said, that are brought into the session can change. Mm-hmm. You may come exhausted from work and leave feeling great, or wrung out. Yeah, there's yeah. there's nothing to say. But the fact that the fault does not lie in the session. It's still an emotion you're feeling. It's still legitimate without a doubt. But it needs to be addressed as anything else. Absolutely. So that because if you keep that to yourself, everyone else at that table is going to wonder what it was about the session that did that to you. Mm-hmm. When in truth, it's not. Mm-hmm. And you're aware of that. Yeah. They are not. Yeah. You and I have had some discussions about like, you know man what 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 happened during that session you're like it, it wasn't the session no work had me up a tree yeah just 
absolutely half mad. Mm-hmm. And then I came to session and yeah. I brought that energy with me yep. and it showed through in my character and I left game with that same energy. Yeah. No- nothing really changed for me. Yeah. In that. Sorry. It, yeah. it, it happens. It We're does. all human. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we have lives outside of, outside of our games, outside of our scenes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing too, is that it's important to kind of talk through and process these emotions because once you leave the session, mm-hmm. this goes for gaming and for BDSM, you're kind of back to real life at that point, and you're not going to have the time to sort these emotions out. And you really, you never want to take those and set them on a shelf. Yeah. Because they will fall down on you. you. Your brain bottles them, and like I said, bottles become bombs. Yeah. Later on. Yeah. And it may be a week later, but you're going to be, you know sitting on the can and you're going to start crying and you're not going to know why mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and like you said yeah bro- emotions brought into a session may change yeah um and so you've got all that baggage along with you so yeah um we have right. some good questions we have some good questions let's move on to questions yeah um Nevin's first question, what kind of safety tools could be taken from BDSM? We, we kind of address those. A lot of them are very similar. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, I, I like the traffic light system. Um, yeah. The, the check card is very much like it, but the traffic light system is just great. Of yeah. Just, you know, yellow just means I need a moment. Mm-hmm. Let's slow up, but this, but no, nothing critical that we need to you know, pull the plug just on. Just be aware. Everyone's just a little more aware. Red's kind of your X card. It's if if only temp if if even temporary. But correct. It's kind of your X card. Yeah. So let's just give me a minute. And just, green yeah. greens. Let's go. You yeah. Know? Greens fine. Every, it's just the check. It's literally the we're okay. Mm-hmm. We're okay. We're gonna push through this. But I I think I think hopefully we've covered it well enough that we know that basically a lot of the, a lot of the same tools are congruent across both uh, across both topics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Second one, I think, is an important question. And Notably, hard. you need less safety scissors for <laughs> tabletop role-playing games. Today. There's a lot more digital. Yeah. There's a lot more <laughs> yes. digital. Uh, so, yeah, cutting things up becomes kind of a problem. I like Devin's second question. I will say that. In session zero or any later, how to express your desire and expectations toward the game without being ashamed or hurting other people's feelings? Ooh. Uh... I mean, I I think for me, express your desire and expectations towards the game without being ashamed or hurting other people's feelings. The big thing is make sure that the other party understands you are speaking in good faith. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I think most people um, will, will be able to take criticism uh and and negative comments about their game or about their scene uh or anything like that uh as long as they understand that you are coming from a point of friendship from a point of critique and that you are just simply stating your own boundaries and experiences um one of the big things that they teach you, like, in therapy is to make I statements. I was literally just going to lead into that. Uh, and that is to talk about what I have experienced. Okay, I felt this way. Because that's the thing that I can control. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mind-reading at any point. Okay, I'm not saying to Rob, you made me feel like this. Mm-hmm. Because Rob didn't do anything. He just ran the damn game. Mm-hmm. Okay, I reacted to what Rob put forth in the game in 
in my own emotional way. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I may have very good reasons for doing that. That's not mm-hmm. to say that, you know, there weren't catalysts for me becoming, you know, that, that, that way. But speaking of your own experiences is the best thing you can possibly do to keep that centered on you without coming across as accusatory of the other person mm-hmm. for causing the negative situation. Yeah. So a couple things about, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to split these up a little bit about mm-hmm. being ashamed or hurting other people's feelings. Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to step into those. Cause I think you did a great job on the other. Cause I, I 100% agree with the I mm-hmm. statements. I'll start by hurt. I'll start to lead off from yours on hurting other people's feelings. One of the key things and most difficult parts about having honest conversations about expectations is not setting expectations of other people without their consent. Mm-hmm. We do this. Agreed. We do this all the time. If you think your GM is going to do something because you're expecting it and it has not been addressed directly, that is your expectation you set. Mm-hmm. They have nothing to do with that. So understanding that helps us reframe. So you can't set an expectation for somebody else and then regret that they didn't complete it or be upset at them for not doing that. Yeah. That's that's one of the best ways that you can stop from hurting other people's feelings is by telling them, well, you didn't do the thing. My ex used to do this to me all the time. We, I ne- the, the thing I never expressed needed to be done or that I ever expected of you, you didn't do. And now I'm angry with you. Yes. It's, oh, okay. Yeah. We were playing a whole game that I wasn't a part of. Yep. <laughs> that's... That's, I think, the, the, the most challenging part. Yeah. Using the I statements, I think, helps with that because then you you can never set an expectation right. when you're doing that. Uh, the other thing I would, I would add to the discussion, too, is that uh, you, you also cannot control the emotional outcome of another person. No. Um, so if somebody does take something in, you know, if somebody's feelings are hurt mm-hmm. and you have done everything I- I- within your power... Um, to your own best understanding, to approach it in good faith, to set your own boundaries and ask those boundaries to be respected, mm-hmm. etc. And another person comes off hurt about it, you can't control that. Yes. You don't bear the responsibility. You didn't cause them to be unhappy. No. You set healthy boundaries and they chose to be unhappy about that. Mm-hmm. That's on them, not on you. You can be responsible for your own actions. Sure. And, I mean, keeping in mind, make sure that you are coming into this with good faith. Make sure you are taking every caution with that person's emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. But if they still get butthurt about it, there's not much you can do about that. Yeah. There has to be more of a discussion there. Yeah. Now, being ashamed about communicating is something that is much harder to break. Harder to to come up with a simple answer for. Mm-hmm. But I will say that the more you communicate with a with a trusted group, the more that you accept them, you will feel less and less ashamed about who you are and what your needs are. Mm-hmm. Because if you're ashamed of your needs, that's tragic. It, that's that's a much bigger problem than we can address at. In, in, in this ask, honestly. Right. Um, setting healthy boundaries for yourself is never something to be ashamed of. And listening to someone who's setting a healthy boundary 
should not be something that you should shame them for mm-hmm. ever. So, and I'm going to, I have to leave it there because there's just too much more there to unpack. Agreed. Agreed. So I apologize, Nevim, if I can't get any deeper into that. Um, Overwatch has a wonderful question. Uh, many of the modern session zero and safety elements and tabletop seem to draw modern their practice from BDSM. Well done. Check-ins, discussions, limits, yellow cards, red cards. Is the reverse true? The question is, are there elements of tabletop play that can improve or contribute to the BDSM experience? Uh, yes, a class-level experience system. <laughs> um, I would love to multi-class into other types of sub, uh, but it's just at right now not possible under the current rule system. I keep waiting. They, they keep talking about how they're going to put out BDSM 2.0 sometime in the future, and uh, just, it just hasn't happened. It's been Kickstarter hell for a long time. Um, but, you know, looking forward to the future when that might happen. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. I wanted you to enjoy that. I wanted you to enjoy that. My honest answer is this. I think role-playing isn't just D&D is the best example, <laughs> right? We, we have a plethora of amazing games that are out there and styles of play. And I will say kinks mm-hmm. per se. Okay. That are out there and you aren't bound to them. And I think BDSM kind of has, I'll dare say a bad rap that if you're into a kink, that's what you are. Yeah. Okay. I'll agree to that. You know, once, and I'll say this because I'm going to get an expression out of you when it comes off. And that is, is, once you're a furry, you're a furry. <laughs> yeah. See? Yeah. Right there. Yeah. But that person might also be perfectly fine with traditional DS. Mm-hmm. You know, or anything else. I might be able to play Thirsty Sword Lesbians on a Thursday and be rip-roaring ready to play Pathfinder on Sunday. Yeah. That's okay. There are different ways for us... T- to accept that. And if I go to a convention full of nerds who are hardcore about either D&D or Battletech or, you know, uh, freaking Powered by the Apocalypse games, mm-hmm. if I'm in that, we can have open, honest discussions about all of it. And that's the key. And I think that's something that... BDSM can gain that you can have these kind of discussions in an open area. Mm-hmm. We can talk about it on YouTube. Yeah. We can talk about it. We can have shows like Critical Role, right? Yeah. That not just play the game, but also discuss the mechanics of it and the mechanics of the storytelling mm-hmm. and aspects of how the players felt about this experience they were in. Mm-hmm. You know, in a meaningful, respectful, honest way, so that we don't have this anger and fear of outsiders. It kind of amazes me when you look at the timeline of when Gary Gygax and his team brought to light role playing in a tabletop form to where it is today. We have people today who literally are are in every aspect of it, not gamers, mm-hmm. not gamers, you know, who who kind of participate at D&D and aspects of it by by dressing up as Carlac 
from Baldur's Gate, right? And being that character at conventions without knowing anything about D&D or the character, really, or anything else. But they're learning. And they're open. Like, I dare say Ginny D is a great example of the curve. Going from, I am just a patron, patron mm. of it, to, I'm running games now and this is challenging. But I respect it. Yeah. I can't wait till the day that Ginny D says, you know what? I've tried three other game systems beside D&D, and this is, they are the bomb. Yeah. I really like this. Yeah. that We've had that in such a short period of time in comparison to the grand length that BDSM has been in culture around the world. Mm-hmm. And they still are not at that conversational point. You can't comfortably comfortably find BDSM conversations. And I dare say, because I went looking for it, you will not find a single reliable article about the com- about the congruence of BDSM and TTRPGs like we've done tonight. Yeah. Because both are still, like we said, shameful mm-hmm. or sinning. Mm-hmm. In the eyes of a grand amount of people, it's juvenile, right? But that is changing. And I think the BDSM community could take a little bit of that energy and understanding and remove some of the elitism that was removed from D&D and from early tabletop role-playing. Like, the D20 craze helped reshape that. Sure, absolutely. Right? Powered by the apocalypse and and the 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 early 90s of wave of games that just shot out of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you had new games screaming out of every orifice pretty much yeah, sure. of the of the TT community. That changed things. And we're kind of seeing that on the other side, but it's still done in a very elite way because it feels like it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's some good reasons for that. Like it is there are aspects that are concerned concerned with legalism mm-hmm. and legalese there, definitely, without a question. Sure, sure, sure. You know, which which I will dare say, tabletop role playing does not have a problem with. <laughs> you can go and run a game for you, your wife, your friend's wife, and your friend's friend who's single on a weekend, and there's nobody who's going to question that. Right, right. Try to do the same thing with BDSM, same guest list, and things get a little. Different. You can't really talk about it at the office. Yeah. No, you you can't. Yeah, because it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. for many reasons beyond just the simple legal aspects of trying to understand that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't need to be, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I think we can see a future there, and I hope, I sincerely, sincerely hope that more people listen to this show and listen to the fact that there can be honest comparisons between the two between the two and see that there is a beautiful companionship i'm not saying that you should start doing bdsm if you're very much interested in tabletop role playing likewise on the other side of the scale they are still very different cultures they still have very different needs but there's a lot of guideposts to the same and to your massage therapists who are out there that i made the comparison that you're thrown in on this Tool sets are tool sets. <laughs> tool sets are tool sets. <laughs> okay. We're all caring about each other's care. 
safety and, and comfort yeah. safety and comfort yeah. that's the key i think any situation where you have trust in a group mm-hmm. and communication is the key whether it be firefighters or army communication is important having tools to know that everybody's going to be safe is important and making sure it's all consensual in what you're doing mm-hmm. and just cuz you're informed does not mean you're consenting Remember that. Yep. So when you bring that person to a game session that's been ongoing, be respectful of them. It's the best thing I can tell you. I got nothing to add. Thank you. I'll step down now. All right. Let's wrap this up here. Next week's topic. <sighs> hang on. Hang on. What? How do you feel? How do I feel? Yeah, we, we need a little aftercare now. <sighs> I feel good. Okay. I feel good. Um, These are happy memories for me to recount. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, so it was kind of nice to to dip back into this topic. I haven't engaged with the community in a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, good memories all around. Mm. Okay. So, okay. yeah, how about you? There was some tension and apprehension about where this was going to go and, and how I was going to present into it. And, and if I would get messages from people regarding it, because I don't ever know. How that's going to turn out? Sure, I have a laundry list of people who still know me, mm-hmm. um, and may have questions, and that's okay. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I haven't addressed them in a long time, mm-hmm. but I have no—I would say I have no fear of that. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think I still have a bit of tension about it. Okay, but I still think it was a good show, and I—I I feel empowered by what we did. Yeah, and that makes me happy. Yeah. So yeah, same. In the end, it's a. I feel as a positive, as a positive experience. Are you so. hydrated? I am. The tea was wonderful. Tonight. Are you comfortable? You know, we do need new chairs, but I think we'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> Good. Excellent. So next week's topic, we're stepping out of February, and in we're marching. We are marching. <laughs> we are west marching. We are west marching because we are stepping right into a topic that, again, we've glanced but we're probably going to get a little aggressive about, and that is OSR versus narrative. Yeah. Why is there such an effing divide? Right. OSR just feels like such a departure from narrative, and narrative feels like such a departure from OSR. And and sometimes, you, you, you know, if you're listening to somebody on YouTube explain how they feel about gaming and giving you ideas and pointers, you might suddenly get an attitude of like, where is this coming from? This person seems very angry. And then suddenly they're like, oh, storytelling is the worst thing ever. And you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you, where is this coming from? I know who you're talking about. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> like, it's a it's a reality check for some people. Yeah. Because, again, we don't wear branding says this is I'm OSR or I'm narrative. Right, right. right? I, you know, I don't have my, my tattoo on my shoulder of PBTA, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, that's, that's not there. Nor do I have my D&D with a slash through it, you uh-huh. know, now because I don't agree with that anymore in my life. Exactly. It's like D&D with a slash through it and it just has old school essentials underneath. It, you know, old school for life. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, but anyways, we're gonna uh, t- talk a bit about what that divide is, uh, what OSR you know kind of holds true because we we really lean from the narrative standpoint. We are storyteller conclave, not OSR conclave, as we've said many times. But we respect them. But we respect them. Sure, that's we'll... their their fun is also valid, although it is at times diametrically opposed to our own. <laughs> Very much so. And we'll we'll talk a bit about that, but also the kind of lines that cross both. Exactly. So. All right. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. 
and uh, join us on our Discord. Uh, it was a great, great discussion happened on there today. Mm-hmm. Some uh, a uh, 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 D&D storyteller uh, friend of ours was asking for advice on magic items and such like that. Really good we, discussion. We put up the bat signal and like three <laughs> other people jumped in and were giving them great not, feedback. Not just on people. Those. People and their kids. People and their kids were <laughs> giving them all, all great advice on how to kind of fine-tune those magic items. Yeah. It, was, it was really nice it's to fun. see. Uh, so yeah, join us up on our twi- uh, on Discord. You can find that a link on our Twitter as well as our website storytellerconclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who help support us every single month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet, The Arcane Asylum, Veteran, Hulaboosh, Sam, Sean, and Sparkle Motion. We appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find them at on Instagram, on Patreon, or on YouTube at Arcane Anthems. Our outro music, our intro, sorry, intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find them at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on YouTube music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting us. All of our friends who sat at our tables over these years give these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so much. You've been good. You're good, little boys and girls. We love you. Good night. Good night.